Welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast, episode number 50. In the 50th episode, we have a very special guest. We have Pavel Orlov, head of e-commerce for Magnit. Magnit is the second biggest Russian grocery retailer with $20 billion uh, revenue, growing very fast. And um, they are latest when it comes to e-commerce adoption. And um, Pavel is the one who is driving this adoption for Magnit. And in 2020, due to Corona, there were so much stuff happening in Russia that leads to the following sentence from Pavel. A three-hour delivery time is not perceived as an express delivery anymore, which is kind of crazy because in the rest of Europe, like three hours were super express. So we are talking to Pavel what changed in Russia over the last years, what is like the standard service level for Russian customers now, not only in Moscow or St. Petersburg, but also in other smaller cities, how he is driving this transformation at Magnit, what was the key... KPI that convinced the Magnet owners or board of directors that they really need to invest in e-commerce, how they are doing it, how the other vendors um, in uh, in grocery retail are um, thriving through e-commerce. Though it, it was a really fun session to uh, record. I think we're going to learn a lot about e-commerce grocery in Russia, and it's gonna, definitely not going to be the last podcast for the Russian market. So please listen in to what Pavel has to say. Pavel, welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast. Uh, it's, a, it's a first thing ever um, occasion today for me uh, because we are, we are talking about the Russian grocery market. So uh, please tell our listeners who you are and what company you're, you're working for. Hey, Alexander. Uh, really good to be here. So I am, uh, my name is Pavel Orlov. I'm uh, the Director of Innovative Development and Partnerships at Magnit. And uh, my biggest focus area right now is building up uh, own uh, Magnit-owned e-commerce business from scratch. Magnit is uh, top two grocery retailer in Russia. It's uh, top one by a number of stores and top two by uh, revenues. We make, uh, well, now it's going to be, it's going to be hard uh, for, for me translating uh, online. We make around uh, 1.5 trillion uh, rubles uh, per per year and that that sounds a lot but uh, in, in in dollars that's uh, around 20 billion dollars and um, until last year magnet didn't have any e-commerce at all so we're kind of late to the game uh, even by russian standards so uh, all our competitors all the biggest retailers uh, by by that time already had some uh, form of uh, e-com operations and uh, only last year Uh, the, uh, my company realized that uh, we need to catch up in this market. And so I'm in charge of this uh, catch-up operation. Yeah, let's maybe, uh, we have, because uh, we have a lot of listeners like from the Central European countries, uh, just to uh, be a little bit um, able to compare it. Um, so in the German market, for example, we have those four big players, um, Edeka, Lidl, um, um, Al, um, um, Aldi, and, and Rewe. They all kind of were blocking e-commerce for years. So none of them mm -hmm. is really active in e-commerce. So only Rewe, which does like a very small part in e-commerce, and they have now mm -hmm. a specialized warehouse, uh, warehouse for it. But like for the standard customer in Germany buying grocery online, that's kind of a very strange thing still. So we are below 2% um, grocery e-commerce uh, uh, grocery, um, e-commerce uh, e um, rate in, in Germany. So is it different mm -hmm. in Russia? So is the market already more developed? 
So in Russia right now, uh, there are different estimates uh, after COVID. So 2020 uh, numbers, they put uh, e-grocery penetration at around 2%, 3% maybe, mm-hmm. something like this. So it's not, it's not really huge, mm-hmm. but it, re- it really is, uh, how do I call it, not evenly distributed. So if you look at big cities, especially Moscow, in Moscow, I think the share of e-com is uh, e-grocery it can be over 10%. Mm. And the offering, so when it comes to supply of offers uh, and, and services that offer e-grocery to, to the customer, it's it's huge. It's all kinds of missions. You can get anything from Super Express. So you can get uh, within 10 minutes, uh, you place an order within 10 minutes, the guy's at your door. Is Obviously. this what is this uh, same thing like Grubhub uh, or um, or Gorillas now in, in Germany? Is this ki- kind of a this kind of micro stores in the city? Yes, exactly. Uh, with, uh, yes. With bikes they, they, delivering. Yes, they have uh, uh, super small dark stores around uh, 2,000 SKUs, around uh, I believe uh, 150 to uh, even less actually, uh, less than 100 square meters, uh, 2,000 SKUs, a small fridge. And uh, within 10, 10 to 15 minutes uh, with, the, with the bicycle, uh, they deliver uh, the, the food to your door. It's a bit expensive, so they are uh, not competing on price, but uh, they're definitely competing on, on convenience. It's, uh, there are two players like this. There's Makat uh, and uh, Yandex Lavka in, in, in the Russian market. But you have not only this, right? You have, this is uh, sort of the super express uh, angle. Then you get the express guys and in express, now in Moscow, the offering is really diverse. I think you can get, uh, and when I when I say express, it's within uh, somewhere around 60 minutes. So 40, some delivering 45 minutes, 60 minutes up to two hours. Some deliver within three hours, but that's already kind of not really express, uh, if, if you ask me. And uh, here, <laughs> that's a, that might be a good that might be a good title for the podcast. So three hours is not uh, is not perceived as express anymore uh, in the big <laughs> no. cities. I think that's only true for St. Petersburg and Moscow. That's not true. Like, that, that's not true. Cities. That's not true. It's actually in any big city in Russia. So oh, yes. um, a million million people city, you can get your groceries at store prices. So with no markup. With free delivery, if you order a certain a certain amount, not a big amount, it's uh, somewhere around, uh, I think if you go over 10, maybe 15 euros, uh, you get free delivery. You get within 45 to one hour, minutes to one hour, uh, your groceries to the door. And uh, this is done, uh, this is done mostly through uh, these companies, uh, Delivery Club and Yandex Yeda. Uh, they are kind of like Glovo or uh, like Deliveroo. So they started with the restaurant delivery. And then uh, last year, they quickly diversified into delivery from stores. Okay. And uh, th- that's crazy because like uh, in the ger- in the standard German city, there are not so many like million plus uh, cities in Germany, as you, uh, as you might know. Um, so A... Uh, for most fast delivery services like Picnic or some others, you have to, you're on a waiting list so that they will accept you as a customer before uh, you can become a customer, which is super strange. Uh, uh, Good luck with that uh, that business model in Russia. uh, uh, Even if you're willing to uh, wait a day or so, if you want to buy a driver and due to COVID, 
There's no delivery spots available. If I would go uh, now at the Riva online website and try to get something delivered in, in my hometown, it's like two to three weeks. There's no spots available. Not uh, <laughs> nothing. Nothing uh, is available. So I would go to Amazon uh, to get like the uh, the easy deliverable uh, deliverable food uh, uh, to to my door. Uh, mm -hmm. Or I would have to uh, book a uh, subscription with HelloFresh. <laughs> Some of this. So this is so this is so uh, the first first aha uh, moment in this uh, in this podcast. But um, who is driving this? market so is it like the older uh, uh, the older players like the incumbents the old supermarkets driving this kind of development or is it like new businesses like in uh, in central europe so it's actually both uh i think now so in russia it's actually quite an interesting story because i, I didn't get to the other end of the spectrum there are also those uh, players uh, doing the regular mission right uh, that uh, that deliver uh, kind of overnight or uh, sometimes you can do if you order in the morning you can get it in the evening the same day but from a big assortment, because uh, when I was talking about the 45 to, to one hour, you get around five and a half, six thousand SKUs uh, uh, to choose from. And then overnight, you get uh, like 25, 30, 50,000 uh, with some services. And it all started, like e-grocery in Russia actually started from this mission, regular mission. There was a company called Utkanos, and it was like a new company that was uh, founded many, many years ago. I think they're like 15 years old now. And they were like super pioneers of e-grocery in Russia, but they were the problem was they were too early. So when they started, they, they didn't really get it right because uh, they uh, didn't set up their supply chain right. And um, the economics just uh, weren't working out. And also the penetration, like the density was very low. So for many, many years, they were struggling. But I still would call them, I wouldn't call them the incumbent. Uh, they, they were kind of the first uh, of, the, of the new generation of companies, right? At the time, there were huge retailers like like Magnit, like uh, X5 uh, retail group, the biggest retailer in Russia, and they were not even thinking about uh, e-grocery because it was uh, such a marginal uh, thing. Yeah. And then as as things were progressing, uh, guys like X5, so the incumbents, uh, they also started thinking about e-grocery. And uh, I think about five years ago, uh, X5 started their uh, kind of serious um, way into into the e-grocery market with also the regular mission. So they, they built a couple of uh, big dark stores and they started delivering overnight and uh, into specific slot intervals with the refrigerated trucks. Uh, and um, so they are, they've been working on it for a while, but it has been growing quite slow. And then last year, everything went crazy. It was kind of starting to go crazy even, even before the pandemic, as more and more guys were jumping, uh, offering these uh, food delivery services. Like uh, there's this uh, retail kind of a pioneer uh, or alternative retailer that started maybe five, six years ago called Hoosville. They, they, are, they have more of an echo image and uh, they have these uh, small convenience stores around the 5,000 SKUs. Um, and they started investing into, into e-grocery and, uh, it, like they started before the pandemic, but during pandemic, they scaled like crazy and they have like a hundred thousand dollars per day now. Uh, you have guys like Utkanos, the, the ones that I talked about before, the pioneers that uh, also started uh, scaling, uh, quite, quite a lot uh, last year. And you have, and, and the, but the new, the real kind of disruption came from uh, these delivery club and Yandex Yida guys, so like the, the, the likes of Glovo, the new kind of companies, right? That came to a lot of retailers and said, guys, let us uh, organize delivery for you. You don't have to do anything. We'll, we'll bring the pickers, we'll pick the order, we'll pay at the checkout counter with the credit card, and we'll go and deliver the order. 
So for the retailer, they didn't have to do it. They just, the only thing the retailer had to do is connect the, the leftovers. So the, the stocks of, of each store, ideally accurate stocks. And, uh, and they were good to go. And that made a big difference. And, uh, and that's why the express mission. So if, uh, let's say in maybe 2019 or uh, especially 2018, it, there was only the regular mission in the market. Like if you wanted groceries online, you went on the website and you had to pick a slot tomorrow, the day after, two days in uh, two days in advance, and you got your food delivered from a big warehouse. In 2020, it all changed, and Express Mission became huge. It became now it's more than 50% of the market. You just uh, call, uh, uh, make an order, and uh, within within an hour you get you get your groceries. And uh, you know what? A very interesting thing about Russia is the reason behind such kind of abundance and convenience and, and such growth is uh, the cheap labor force that uh, is is available so you you have those uh, i think now like over 100,000 people in, in russia are, are couriers right uh, so you have and and it's still not uh, like we're not out of the workforce in, in this respect there there is some deficit of couriers in, in moscow but uh, generally you can recruit people uh, for for cheap uh, to pick orders, to to bring orders to, to to other people, so you have this kind of income disparity, right, between between the rich and the poor, and uh, there there's a lot of um, guys that are ready to uh, to support. Yeah, these yeah we, we, we talked about this effect in another podcast where uh, we said, okay, in countries uh, uh, with a favorable um, Gini coefficient, which is kind of the um, uh, this uh, this coefficient shows you, yeah, I know uh, how many cheap labor forces you have versus like yeah. uh, rich uh, rich consumers. It works better in a more um, in a more level country sure. like like Germany. It's way harder to get those uh, to get this workforce. Might yeah. change, so we don't hope for it. It changes. Yes, from an e-commerce perspective. Yes, from a socio-economic perspective. <laughs> obviously, obviously, no. That's why it's so popular in Asian countries uh, yes. very often, or that's why Gojek uh, is so successful in, um, mm -hmm. in Indonesia. Exactly. Uh, um, okay, but but let's uh, um, uh, let's let's go one step back. So there was like a, a big hype starting even before the pandemic. Um, but mm -hmm. uh, this hype we saw also with um, with German, Dutch, Norwegian retailers or France retailers in uh, in uh, uh, in Central Europe. But uh, when you were um, visiting a boardroom where, um, uh, like, I don't know, the CFO was sitting, the CMO, the old CEO was sitting, they all managed it in a way. Let's say, okay, let's let's. Uh, let's um, build some capabilities to be able for uh, click and collect, for example, or for mm -hmm. uh, for easy delivery. But our main focus should be to open the stores up again because that's our core business. So we don't mm -hmm. we don't see a future where uh, a big chunk of our revenue comes from a from an e-commerce setup. That yes. that that kind of limited their ability or limit like the strategic options for them. Is this different when I today would go to the boardroom from? From from Magnet uh, talking about digital um, chances, uh, would they throw me out, or would they say, "Yeah, yeah we know it. We, we are, we're doing it now." You know, it was hilarious uh, when I came to Magnet not so long ago. I came to Magnet uh, last year in uh, in May in, in May 2020, so uh, kind of height of the pandemic, actually to do e-commerce. And when I came, I was expecting that these guys were late. I mean, it was the whole market was already super hot. Their main competitor went into went online five years ago. They were growing like crazy. They will, they also launched their express service. They had the regular mission. They had like many things, investing billions of rubles in there. And I thought that these guys will say, 
please, 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 here's uh, take our money, build us, uh, build us the best ecom uh, that, that you can do uh, as fast as possible. On the contrary, in the boardroom, uh, the boardroom was uh, more like you described. Uh, yeah, we don't know, but even in 10 years, it can be 5%, but not more. Do we need it? Can it ever be profitable? Is there anyone in the world who made it profitable? Uh, like all kinds of, you know, arguments like this, why we, we shouldn't really go into it. In the end, it was decided that we need to launch pilots. Like it was more uh, seen as, okay, we need to be there with our capabilities in a position to scale it in case we are wrong about the 5% and the profitability in case the investors demand. So we said, okay, fine, let's launch pilots. And we started launching pilots and we were quite successful with those pilots. And then uh, a funny thing happened. Uh, there is a company uh, in Russia, an e-commerce company called Azon, kind of like Amazon, uh, but Azon. And uh, they are actually, it's a clone of, of Amazon. Uh, they, they started selling books online many, many years ago, maybe, I don't know, 20, 20 25 years ago. And uh, they were expanding gradually into, into different categories. They, they went through hard times. But uh, recently, they've been doing extremely well. And uh, they did an IPO in uh, maybe September, October last year. And people were quite skeptical because the, the valuation was quite high. But... They were valued, so they have a revenue, I think, 10 times uh, smaller than Magnit. Mm. But they're valued, I think, one and a half times higher than Magnit. Oh. And after that's this a, IPO... Obviously a good, that's obviously a good argument. Yeah, we, we, are, we, are, we are following, obviously, the path of um, Ozone. Because of A, numbers mm -hmm. are now available, uh, uh, which is always cool for e-commerce analysts to follow such a yeah. tip. But yeah, Ozone is a, is a known brand for e-commerce experts in the German market, I would say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I see. So after they went public, everyone went crazy. Like shareholders went crazy, the boardroom went crazy, and everyone said, we need e-com as much as possible. Please, we don't care about expenses. How much can you do? Why so little? Why can you do faster? And we're like, guys, like, you're five years late. We can't, like, it takes time to, to, to give birth to a baby. You can't just, uh, you know, ask uh, hire nine women and, and uh, reduce the time to, to one month. It doesn't work that way. Like you need to build a digital product and hire the team. You build operations, you need to build the customer base. They're like, okay, 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 just do it. Just don't, don't, don't ask questions, go do it. And now it's still the same. So now everyone is, is like super excited, super, there's lots of potential, lots of support. Uh, and, and, uh, and the numbers are growing too. So uh, we have quite, quite ambitious uh, plans for this year and even more ambitious for next year. And, and can you tell a little a little bit what, what you've done so far. So where did you get a team, for example? Because if there was no e-commerce operations before, then obviously there was no e-com team, no logistics infrastructure, no, uh, no delivery mindset uh, in the in the organization. So how did you do it? When I when I'm going now to the um, Magnet uh, um, RU uh, website, so it reminds me a little bit of um, the early versions of uh, Brevo Online, which is like the uh, one of the biggest... Um, setters in, uh, in Germany and a little bit on on, on DM like the um, the huge drugstore uh, uh, brand in uh, in Germany. So it's not it's not e-commerce optimized. It's just it's like not um, this at kind all. of this, we don't this, have a website yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we it's don't kind sell. of this like this this, uh, this printed uh, this printed uh, uh, merchandise you're getting yeah, uh, yeah, 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 uh, in your yeah, post box yeah. every day. That's how the website looks like. <laughs> no, yes, you're right. But uh, it's uh, we don't have a website through which we can you can actually buy uh, groceries online. We so far, only sell through the app. Mm. Uh, we started, uh, so the team actually, uh, in that respect, uh, we were quite lucky. The team was already on board. 
uh, when we came. Uh, there was a very small team that came from uh, X5, from the main competitor of Magnet, to actually to build e-commerce. They were just, by the time we came, they were not allowed to do anything. So they, when we came, there was still this, uh, should we do it, should we not? What's the setup? Like, can you prove the business case? Is it going to be profitable, et cetera? So this, like, the core team was there and the core team was experienced with the, with the competitor and building a similar thing. So that was a good thing. Uh, we started by working with the Delivery Club and Yandex Yuda. So we started by connecting to these uh, platforms that already had customers, that already had uh, the, the front, that uh, had the back process. Like the only thing that we had to build to actually launch is uh, stocks, real-time stocks uh, from stores. Uh, luckily, we had the pretty good accuracy of, of stocks in, in, in our stores. Already, we didn't have it uh, centralized in, in, in a location, but we, we used the cloud solution to uh, kind of pull uh, stocks uh, from, from the database of each store, and that can you, worked quite well. Can you elaborate on that? Because every grocery project I've seen so far in Germany has problems with that. They have very old um, cash registers uh, in the store, yeah. uh, and they have uh, not at all cloud uh, <laughs> cloud uh, cloud ready solutions to update this, uh, the stock. Not even once per day. So usually it's done like uh, many with a manual inventory. So uh, was it yeah. different in, in Russia? So what, what did you use? I was super surprised and positively. I, I was like, when we were doing it, right? So the, from technical standpoint, I don't think we did uh, any kind of magic. I'm not uh, a big technical expert, but as far as I understand, there was a database that uh, knew uh, how much of what is left in the store, uh, but locally. Mm. This database uh, by default was sending this information to the HQ once a day. This was not acceptable for e-commerce. So we had to build a new uh, infrastructure And, and and this like a new channel that was pulling data from from this local store database every five minutes, and uh, we did it with the cloud solution provider, and they they, they worked really well. I think in in one month we already had the uh, pilot like uh, stock in in the first, I don't know it was 10 stores. Like it, it of of course it helped that we were not launching across the whole. Like we have 20,000 stores, right? If you you can't launch uh, 20,000 stores at the same time, so we launched from 10 stores. And guys, they were able to pull the stock from from 10 stores uh, every five minutes uh, within a month. And then as we kind of were scaling further, they, they were connecting more stores, improving accuracy. Uh, the accuracy of stock was the, the positive surprise. So uh, we now pick, I believe, 93, 95% accuracy. So that means our stock is at least that accurate. But is that, that we, is, 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 is that enough? So I give you an, an example because um, uh, Rive did the same in the beginning, or it's, they're yeah. still doing the same. So I can go to the website and like do my basket, but nine out of 10 uh, products might be deliverable, uh, but they will exchange my favorite yogurt with like another yogurt brand because uh, uh, there was an, uh, um, uh, there was like the, the wrong stock, obviously, uh, yeah. the, yeah. which leads to compared to the service level uh, um, and, serv uh, and convenience level I'm getting from Amazon or like, I don't know, from Otto or Zalando leads to, uh, no, I don't, I don't want to have the other yogurt. I want to have my strawberry yogurt from, I don't know, brand AB, ABC. Um, and this now leads to a more central warehouse approach with, uh, uh, with Rewe, where the accuracy is 100%. So it's yeah. 95% in Russia, Russia still enough. So can you just switch tomatoes with, I don't know, cucumbers <laughs> because, because it was uh, uh, not visible in the stock management? Well, the jury is still out. Uh, it's, we believe that long-term it's not enough. 
but mm -hmm. short term we can't do anything about it. So what we're doing is in uh, in Moscow we are building the dark stores. We're building uh, 20 small dark stores of around 200 to 300 square meters to serve the express mission with about five to 10,000 SKUs. And we're planning to build a, a big dark store, looking for locations now to serve the regular mission and to put like around 35 to 50,000 SKUs in there. And those, so Moscow will be served well. And in Moscow, I believe it's important, you know, to give you the favorite yogurt. Yeah. Well, in other cities, for now, we'll have to make do with what we have, with the 95% the uh, level and, and with a good substitution mechanism. Like, I think it's uh, rather usually not a problem. Like, you come to the store and you're rarely pissed when you can't find that strawberry yogurt. Like, okay, you have a peach I one. But then... I am. I am. Uh, it's, uh, uh, and my wife, too. And all the ones I know, they, they are. They are uh, oh, you're, uh, maybe you're spoiled uh, in Western Europeans. Yes, that but, uh... is, uh, maybe, maybe that's true. I'm just, I'm just mirroring what's happened to the Rewe experience. So I thought, I, I, because when, when, before it started, I saw that 95, 97% is good enough. But yeah. even 99 is a, can be a big churn risk. Look, churn rates that we're seeing are quite are not very low at the moment. I, I'll be honest with you. But uh, for now, we are we don't really care that much. Like the scale is not that big, and we believe that it's a journey, right? Like you can't in the, in the current environment, you can't wait until you have a perfect product to bring it to market, because it never like never works. Who am I telling this to? Right? Never works. So we have this trying to apply the startup approach within a, a big corporation. And first bring, we brought something that was made out of shit and sticks uh, to, the, to the market. And we gradually are building it up, right? For example, the application that we have is complete crap. Like you, uh, you don't even have to download it. And please don't tell me why, why, what is not working there because I know that it's not perfect. The mobile it's, app. You're, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the mobile app, we made it uh, with Yandex. So this Yandex Yeda guys, the, 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 the company that uh, does restaurant delivery and grocery delivery, they made a white label solution for us. So we have uh, our app is actually a container which you download and that which then uh, shows you a, a window to, to the white label, to, to like a web view uh, ah, of the white label how, of Yandex. That's, that's how you did it like 2010 when Android uh, was first popular. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, I, I, I can totally relate how. Uh, can I even yeah, download it here in, in Germany, the Magnet app? I don't know. I think you can, yeah. It's it's called Magnida Stavka. Do Stavka. Um, I hope you can. I think you can because uh, Florian has uh, uh, my my boss has the German app store and and he has the, the application. Okay, I, sh I show you how it looks on my on my mobile. Here it is. Uh, uh, up 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 the second one. Uh, the this second, one here. Second, second link. Yeah. This. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I will uh, I will install it and write a German review, especially for Florian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So we are working. I mean, we're working on it. We're not. It's not like we're happy with the with the quality of the app. We're we're working on on the white label still, and uh, we are now planning to switch in August. We should switch to our own uh, solution to a native application, and that should improve dramatically. And we will also uh, keep developing it as we go. But uh, for now, it is what it is, and we already have. Now I think in the in this application we accept around one half one point seven thousand orders per per day, which is uh, not uh, not too bad if you ask me. We've been uh, we launched it in uh, end of October last last year. 
Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 really good. And uh, in the store itself, um, then you then you focus on uh, click and collect, so people just uh, collect their order. It's uh, or do they you have like it's all always delivery. So always like delivery, a, yes, always delivery. Is click, click and collect a thing in Russia actually? No, because it's, it's a big it's, thing it's really in, in Germany. It's really not. It's really not because uh, I think the the deal here is that. I think top two or top three factor is uh, weight. Like why why you buy online? Because uh, you, you don't want to carry heavy stuff. And uh, when you think about click and collect, like uh, that uh, kind of goes away, right? No, no, uh, I, I agree. So I'm just wondering. So it, it is popular in some um, cases, especially in DIY uh, uh, DIY cases. Yes. It's, it's popular because it's hard it's hard to ship there. Click and collect totally makes sense. I'm a, I'm a heavy user. Uh, yes. uh, there for grocery cases doesn't make any sense. So in Germany, there's a pro work yeah. that your click and collect is like uh, mixing up like the two disadvantages of of uh, uh, two disadvantages of two worlds. So you you cannot touch it before you're buying, but you still have to drive. Yeah, so it's like, like two one. disadvantages like in one system. I'll, I'll use it in the boardroom next time they yeah. say. Do you have click and collect? Yeah. We, look, we will try click and collect. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there there are use cases for click and collect. The big one is alcohol because in Russia, alcohol delivery is prohibited. In Russia, alcohol is uh, delivery is prohibited. That is <laughs> yes. uh, that is another aha moment here. <laughs> yes, uh, and uh, and that's why uh, and obviously alcohol is a big ticket item and and uh, it's it's profitable. So so we need we want to sell it online. Uh, and the only way for now. To sell it online is is to uh, do click and collect. Why, why is it prohibited? That would be like a good, a cool entry uh, strategy for I don't know whiskey.de or other big um, uh, e-commerce players in the alcohol business in, in Germany. So you can hide something in a in an uh, in export uh, in an export box. Uh, so why is it prohibited? To I don't think you can. Uh, it was uh, iHerb uh, tried to hide uh, something in their parcels, but uh, they are banned in Russia now. So. Um, <laughs> Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it's the, just the government position. They they say that you can't. Uh, and it, to be honest, it's a bit outdated. It, it's it's a bit kind of backwards view of of the government. And now it is uh, they're trying to change it. So they're trying to come up with a way to reliably identify the age of the person who makes the order and who accepts the order. Yeah. Uh, I like in my view, I don't see a problem because. Let's say a, a, a checkout counter when you buy alcohol, the cashier checks your age, and if you're not old enough, you don't get to buy it. Make it the same way. You come, the courier checks your age. If you're not old enough, you can't buy it. But for some reason, that uh, argument does not fly with the Russian government yet. So uh, for now, it, it is it is not allowed. And for that, we will definitely have click and collect. For hypermarkets, I think it can work because you have convenient parking, and, and uh, oftentimes people drive by anyways. But uh, and also because it takes a long time to collect your order in a hypermarket, which which you can save if you do click and collect. But for uh, small stores, uh, I think uh, click and collect will, will unlikely be a, a big thing. I got it. You just uh, you just said it's like twenty thousand twenty thousand stores. When I uh, looked up uh, Magnet um, uh, when I researched it, it's like it's not just uh, supermarket stores. It's it's a it's, it's a variant of different concepts. It's I think it's pharmacies yeah. uh, in there. There's like you even have some hypermarkets. Uh, most yeah. of the markets are the, the supermarket stores, uh, which most all Europeans know. So you're you're focusing on the supermarket grocery segment, or are you focusing on all different store concepts? So we uh, we call them we don't call them supermarkets we call them convenience stores 
Uh, our main format, it's uh, around uh, 350 to 500 square meters, uh, around 6,500 SKUs, including alcohol and tobacco. And uh, that's uh, that's uh, the main format. It's around 15,000 stores. That's how Magnit uh, started. Mm. And um, we have uh, the big formats as well. And uh, there, now we're kind of redefining the big formats strategy. We have around 500 uh, big stores. And uh, the average store is around 20 to 25,000 SKUs. So it's like, uh, I guess, by European standards, uh, it's, it's a hype market. We call them both supermarkets and hype markets because some are a bit smaller, some are a bit bigger. Uh, but the, the general concept is, yes, we have them. And they, they are, even though there are only 500 of them, uh, they generate quite a big, uh, quite a big revenue. And, and I think we are one of the biggest actually player in the, in the big box in Russia as well. Uh, we also have uh, this uh, very successful format, uh, like a drogery store. Uh, it's called Magnet Cosmetic, and uh, it uh, sells besides cosmetics, uh, it's, it sells and uh, like beauty and, and, and personal care products. It's, it sells some uh, non-food items, some uh, detergents, uh, some uh, like frying pans, pots, uh, towels, uh, I don't know, broomsticks, uh, you name it. Just uh, kind of. A store for for your home, maybe even uh, some some basic decor itself, it, it and it, it uh, flies really well, especially in the in the regions. There, there's some. But, but there's but, but there's not yet a specialized drugstore like Rossmann or the M, which you might most likely know, uh, because the the Russians I know from our team, um, they're big fans of this drugstore concept, which is kind of very central your uh, a very central European concept. It's not um, it's not so available in UK, for example, or France. Um, but you see it at the border. So at the borders of Germany or wherever, like the Emmo Rossmann have expanded to, like from <laughs> the other countries, people are uh, joining this drugstore uh, movement. That's not a thing yet uh, in the magnet world. To be honest, I'm a bit... Uh, is it kind of like CVS in, in the US? The drugstore? Uh, no, 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 no. It's way, so it's like a, a mixture between your uh, your beauty store you just described mm -hmm. like with uh, beauty uh, uh, beauty stuff, but whatever you need uh, um, uh, uh, in your household is usually sold in a drugstore. But just no food, very few food, food items. But um, uh, uh, it, it's all the all the clean up uh, materials in a, in a drugstore, beauty stuff but, in the drugstore, whatever you need in the kitchen. That's exactly the that's exactly Magnet Cosmetics. Yes. Okay. Yes. I Maybe think, I, I, have to, I have to. I have to. use then like a, a, a virtual reality tour then uh, <laughs> to need cosmetics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we do have the pharmacy as well. So uh, we do have the pharmacy format. It's uh, it's not really that big. It's uh, I believe around a thousand pharmacies, maybe like eight hundred pharmacies. Uh, the idea was to put it uh, next to our uh, super or convenience stores, uh, kind of uh, cannibal, not cannibalize, but rather uh, get add-on uh, sales on on the traffic that we already generate. Um, it's not the most uh, successful uh, format of money. Yeah, going back to the macroeconomic level for for a moment. Now yeah. we had this kind of uh, wide west journey in 2020 uh, before the pandemic. The pandemic, the e-food revenue or the e-food share was maybe below two percent, below one one percent. What do you expect the e-food e-food share will look like in Russia in five years uh, uh, from now? So we expect it to be the biggest uh, category in e-commerce. I don't remember the penetration numbers, uh, but uh, and to be honest, very, very difficult to predict because you know what you asked about this 99, 95%. Mm. It's actually a very good question. 
because uh, I, I heard this uh, this some leader of uh, founder of Samakat. He said a very smart thing. He said once once upon a time people got their water from the well, but once they got uh, water flowing from at the tap reliably and all the time, they stopped going to the well, and they'll never go back to the well again. And e-commerce or e-grocery in Russia, it's not yet like water flowing from the tap. It's kind of like sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't, sometimes it's on time, sometimes you get a substitution, uh, sometimes they lose your order, or sorry, the payment didn't go through, uh, can you repeat, can you call the call center? It's just uh, it's like maybe nine times out of 10 it works, or eight times out of 10, but two times out of 10 it's a nightmare, and, and uh, oftentimes uh, people just give up on that at this point. And uh, I think if uh, we, as, as the industry, right, not just as Magnit, but as the industry can provide this uh, kind of water out of tap experience to, to millions of people and uh, also can make the economics work. And I think at the density that we'll, we will achieve uh, once we can uh, provide this uh, tap out of water experience, yeah. we can make the economics work, then uh, the penetration will grow. And I, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if it reaches like 10% or, or even more. I, I, I like I like this metaphor because like take and collect is like you would uh, open your tap at home, but the water flows at it well, and then you can pick it up. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's uh, and, uh, right. and like there's like a, a big uh, well associations in Germany trying to protect uh, the well and the culture around the well, and same with inner <laughs> cities. And now there's like inner city councils, and how can we make the well more attractive? That's not the case, actually. So uh, it's uh, it's it's just the next it's, it's the next thing. So, but I, I like it. There's like a, a lot of nice potential titles here uh, uh, for um, uh, for uh, for the podcast. Then maybe last part of the question. So um, uh, because that would be also interesting for other Russian companies, uh, um, I think. Like um, there was a small team um, already when you joined uh, Magnet. Yeah. It was responsible for e-commerce, but was not was not allowed to do something <laughs> yeah. because of the old behavior uh, or the old the old, the old uh, uh, strategy. Is it easy to hire uh, people for e-commerce in uh, in Russia? Um, so can you build or, or do have do you have to do nearshoring yourself? Do you need to go to Kazakhstan or I don't know where? I don't know what a nearshoring location from Russia looks like. Obviously, it's not in the European direction, <laughs> I guess. Well, uh, it depends on the role. So it's not that difficult to hire, uh, say, business people, functional people, right? Like uh, even uh, talented people like head of marketing or, or head of operations or uh, such roles. It, it, there's, there's a lot of talent because e-commerce in Russia started a while ago, right? And people usually... There's not that much different difference between uh, doing e-commerce for groceries or for fashion or for electronics, yeah. and, and you can. Uh, and there are a lot of people who who have a lot of experience in retail as well, and it's not that difficult. If you have like 10 years experience in in doing uh, offline retail uh, to kind of learn the online retail, right? So, yeah. Uh, that is not that difficult. Where the difficulty comes from is um, IT, so development talent uh, and uh, data science. So there it's it's much more competitive because here you are kind of up against all the e-com companies, all the tech companies, all the big companies wanting to digitalize. Uh, it's uh, it's really huge competition for, for tech talent right now in Russia. And also because with the pandemic, uh, it's, it's this, this funny phenomenon happened that uh, Magnit is actually originally from Krasnodar. It's uh, it's the city in the south of Russia. Uh, quite It's around two, two and a half hours uh, flight from Moscow. And uh, there it was 
well, not the only employer in town, but uh, it's, it's definitely the major employer in town. And uh, it kind of hired a lot of IT talent there and created a lot of IT talent there, attracted, and thought that this IT talent is protected, right? And it was protected because not many people are, are ready to move from one city to another. But with the pandemic uh, and work from home, this kind of vanished, right? And a lot of people from, from Krasnodar started, started looking for a job in Moscow and found a job in Moscow that paid better than Krasnodar. And a lot of people from Moscow started looking for a job in Europe and the US. And because they could work from Moscow, they didn't need to, a visa and, and work permit and all this uh, stuff. They didn't need to move their families. It was super convenient for both parties, like the, the European and American companies, they got good, uh, good tech talent and, uh, and the guys got good salaries in Moscow. So uh, super tough competition for like for, with with the world and and with the uh, from regions to Moscow and uh, for tech talent in general. Uh, but you know we we're managing slowly but surely we're hiring people. Uh, li likely we do have uh, something to offer, right? Like it's a huge company. Uh, we in Russia it's still an advantage that you pay salary every month without delay, <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, you pay you know you pay bonus. Uh, we we do have to pay I think a little bit more now because our employer value proposition is not super strong yet but we're working on it and uh, i'm sure we'll get there in the meantime we have to pretty heavily rely on uh, external vendors so for now everything we've done is is done by with the hands of uh, of contractors and, and external guys uh, we obviously want to change that we want to have uh, an, our own team but um, that will take some time. I think until end of year, uh, we'll uh, be in this kind of vendor well, mode. Obviously, that can be um, accelerated by the, the right uh, pick of technology, with, which which attracts talent. Uh, but we yeah. can uh, we can delay this discussion. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, I, I learned a lot. So it, it was fantastic. A lot of new pro works and uh, a lot of insight in the Russian market. I hope that that's going to be our last uh, uh, podcast. So we have covered more formats where I, I, I guess you could. Uh, 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 fit in well. So, Pavel, thanks for your time uh, and uh, and good luck with your journey uh, with Magnet. Thanks, Alexander. I hope you enjoyed the episode and now downloading the Magnet app to your iPhone or Android. Um, hopefully, they're going to extend their services to other European countries. Um, let's see. Please don't forget to um, rate this podcast on iTunes or Spotify. That would do us a big favor. And uh, be prepared for our ne next hot guest uh, for episode number 51 next week. Yeah.